It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, bringing you another episode of the podcast dedicated to the Colorado Avalanche. And like always, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar over at BuiltBar.com, the amazing tasting protein bar. And today's show... Another installment of our What If segment, uh, we will be talking about the possibility of the NHL returning to a 24-team playoff. That seems to be getting a lot more traction lately, and we kind of have some s- scenarios on who the Avalanche would play, um, but it gets a little, not complicated, maybe just unfair. <laughs> And I hate to use that word and sound like a five-year-old, but um, I kind of explained that uh, in a little bit. So first things first, follow the show on social media, Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Follow over on Instagram, LockedOnAvalanche at gmail. Yeah, LockedOnAvalanche on on Instagram. Send questions, comments, concerns, opinions to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. All right, so I think the first thing that we will get into today, because it's it's you know people people want hockey back, people want all sports back, and we maybe have some clarity on on what the NHL is proposing. And it looks like, or at least all signs are pointing to a twenty four team playoff. And the way that this would work is all teams that are basically still in the mix realistically would get a shot um, at a cup. And that that lends itself to 24 teams in the postseason. The top four teams in each conference get a bye. So obviously that includes the Avalanche. Avalanche right now would be ranked number two. So your buys in both conferences. So in East, you have Boston, Tampa, Washington, Philly. In the West, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas in that order. One, two, three, four. So teams like Chicago, they make it in. Teams like Montreal, they make it in. The Rangers, they make it in. The Coyotes make it in. So all those teams who, if the season had played out, and anything is possible, uh, they they get in. So my big question, uh, when I first heard about this, my, my immediate reaction was, that's completely unfair to the top four teams. Because if you are just jumping right into this, everything that I read was... They're they're doing away with the those remaining games in the regular season, and and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I can't find anything that says they are going to do that. They wouldn't do that because they they are listing teams here on who would be those top seeds, who would be the teams getting in. So you can't put Montreal as twelve and the Chicago Blackhawks as twelve with whoever's right behind them, because I mean if you're putting these teams out there and assigning them a seed. That means, you know, we're doing away with the regular season. 
So my first reaction was, that's completely unfair to the top four teams because we've been on a, I mean, you know, right now is a, a two, two, over two-month break. So even if you started this tomorrow, uh, those, those first round games would be five games, a five-game series. But those are, you know, anywhere from three to five games that those teams are going to have over those teams that get a buy completely you know one-sided there but i did uh you know i I found some more articles and i I wanted to read up on it more and what they are going to do is the teams where is it the the, the teams that uh, are getting buys those those four teams in each division would play some x and then you know, and my again, my first reaction to that was like, are you kidding me? But then, like, I had to take a step back, and it's like, look, like, this is this goes back to the whole thing of this is unprecedented. Nothing is going to be perfect 100%. And if the Avalanche were one of those teams that were, uh, you know, not in the top four, maybe, a, a, you know, a five or a six or something like that, and got to play in that playing round. Uh, I don't think I'd be complaining about it as much. I would still think it's unfair to those top teams, but um, I wouldn't be doing a podcast episode about it. Will an exhibition game be tantamount to a actual meaningful first round in the playoff? No, it won't. But when you think about it, like what else can they do? That's probably the best that they can do. You you have to get those teams some playing time and some playing experience. I don't know if they have a set uh, time frame on those teams. I don't know if it's three games. I don't know if it's five games. Because then again, if you tell those those teams that have the buy, if you tell Colorado you're going to play five exhibition games. And then you go play, you know, uh, okay, so who they would play uh, would be either Vancouver or Minnesota. They would play the winner of the 7-10 thing. This is almost like the NCAA tournament. Say the Vancouver-Minnesota series only goes three games. Say Vancouver sweeps Minnesota and goes three games. Well, now you got the Vancouver crowd yelling that Vancouver's only played three games and Colorado's played five, quote, exhibition games. So really, there's no right way to do this. And when you look at this, this might be the best case scenario. And we can't we we can't have everything that we want here. Um, I think I, I do think the NHL is trying to do the best that they can. And gut reactions like the ones I had are going to be natural. But like I said, what else? What can they do to even the playing field as much as possible? Uh, I think this is the closest that it comes to it, unless you tell those teams, uh, you know, that have this, the the buys. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of it out loud, and it just doesn't make sense because you can't tell one team, you know, you can only play three games because the team you're playing won, won it in three games. Well, who are they playing? Who would Colorado be playing exhibition games against? Say they're playing exhibition games against Vegas, and the Vegas team, whoever Vegas plays. That series goes five games. Now, what's Vegas do? So, and in the end, it's only a couple games here and there. They're getting it as close to pos- as possible of these all these teams playing the same amount of games uh, as the the buy the buy teams as the first round teams. They're getting them as close 
together as they can in the amount of games that they're playing, whether or not it's an exhibition. And, and you know, even, even though they are exhibition games, you better believe that those buy teams are going to be going full out. They will not be treating them like exhibition games because they need to get into game shape real quick because, you know, after these exhibition games is a playoff round, not game one of an 82-game series. So they, they will have – it'll be a different state of mind and a different frame of mind when they're playing these, quote, exhibition games. So, uh, And the other thing is that they're not receding after these rounds. Um, it, it, like I said, this is like an NCAA-style tournament. So start filling out your brackets, and it'll be exciting. The, the Avs will be facing – if this is what we get, and again, this still has to be signed on – and this is, we're not going to get this for at least another month because the, the the logistical nightmare that still exists is getting players that have gone home to other countries back over here and then quarantining for 14 days. So we are not going to get this for uh, at least another month would be my guess, um, if at all still. And now it begs the question, is it worth it? Yeah, I mean, bringing hockey back in any form is definitely worth it. Uh, But when the other side of this, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, is you're not going to be playing these in your home cities. There's a handful of cities that these games are going to be played in. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But we're talking about right now, like we have been, is Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the amazing tasting protein and energy bar. And I want to throw some numbers out to you with Built Bar compared to the other bars that you may be familiar with when it comes to the protein and energy field. Calories, Built Bar, 110. Most of your other bars, right up around 200 calories Sometimes even higher than that. Grams of fat, four grams of fat in a built bar. You can get some bars that are in double digits. Net carbs, five net carbs for built bar. The one that you probably all know and love, 38 grams of net carbs. How is that healthy for you? Sugar, that's the big one. Four grams of sugar in a built bar. The one that you know and love, 21 and up grams of sugar fiber five grams of fiber and 15 grams of protein and another big one which i have not mentioned yet in any of these sponsors sponsored ads is built bar does not contain nuts so if you have a nut allergy built bar is the way to go and almost any other bar you can see on that package where it was made in a factory which might contain nuts not with built bar so go to builtbar.com Fill up your basket at the checkout and are locked on, and you will get $10 off of your first order. Been talking to you guys about these these bars for a couple weeks now, and they are incredible. If you're a a workout addict uh, and you need a little pick-me-up at the end of a workout, they're perfect. They taste great, taste just like a candy bar, amazing flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com at the checkout. Type in locked on in the promo code. Get $10 off your first order. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. 
When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy-feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give easy-feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy-feeling wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, Sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so part one is figuring out what to do with the remainder of the season, and it seems like we might have a 2014 playoff like we talked about in the first segment. Uh, the second part of that is where to play these games. And we're not going to be getting a normal schedule or, you know, we're not going to be playing home games where the home team should be playing. The way that this is going to happen is you're going to get a couple host cities and, and that's where these games are going to be played. There's not going to be, a crowd. <clears throat> I don't think even if we do run this, get this thing up and running in about a, a month, that's not enough time to say, Hey, let's get 20,000 plus people in a room together. Nobody's going to be at that level in a month. Nobody's going to be at that level in probably two months. So if they get this, <clears throat> excuse me, up and running in a relatively short amount of time, you're going to be playing in empty arenas. And right now the NHL says they are looking at probably eight or nine different places that can accommodate a dozen or so teams in one location as it explores options for resuming the season. Uh, the commissioner participated in a digital keynote interview, and this is coming from NHL.com. And <clears throat> this was uh, scheduled in New York, and he was discussing the league's efforts since pausing the season due to the concerns about coronavirus. And he said, I don't think anybody has a fixed timetable, particularly in North America right now. We have been working very hard since we took pause on March 12th to make sure that whatever the timing is, whatever the sequencing is, whatever physical ability we have in terms of locations to play, that we are in a position to execute any and all of those options. There is still a great deal of uncertainty, which is so, so true. So on one hand, we're talking about Oh, we're going to do a 24-team playoff. And everything that we talked about 
a couple minutes ago. And on the other hand, you have, we have no idea when we can do that. And this, this went up a couple days ago, this article. So yeah, of course they want to get things in and they have to get their ducks in a row and they have to have all this stuff figured out. So when the powers that be, whoever they may be, say, we're good to go, you can hit the play button and say, okay, now let's enact all this stuff. You have to get all that stuff situated, which is what it seems like they're doing. But the question is when? And nobody knows that answer. He says himself, there's still a great deal of uncertainty. <clears throat> but what looks like they're going to happen, again, in, in the planning stage, he says about the uh, the arenas that they need to use is they have to be uh, pro arenas. They can't be college arenas. They need pro pro arenas because they they have to have multiple locker rooms that can be cleaned while another game is going on. Uh, they have a lot. Just pro arenas have a lot of uh, ability on the back end to accommodate multiple teams. Uh, you know, a dozen or so in one location. Th- you know, no arena is built to handle that. So it's going to be a strain on everything. The arena, the hotels around town, all of that stuff. There's going to be a strain on that because that that's just something that no city or arena can, can plan for. So again, this is going to be another kind of cog in the wheel of how is this all going to work. And that, that's going to be like a youth hockey arena with, you know, teams just coming in and out and in and out. And maybe it'll be the only uh, people that are watching the game are the other teams. You get that a lot in the NCAA tournament. And again, we're making an NCAA tournament reference. When other teams are playing, you see the teams that are playing later on in the day. They're in the crowd watching that game. That might be the only people in the arena, right? At, and they're in those games, which that might be kind of cool, actually. Um, but... It's, like I said, it's just another kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, like, we don't know when we can start this thing. He says, do we complete the regular season when we're given the opportunity? Do we do an abbreviated regular season because our competitive balance is so extraordinary? It's hard to tell how the season would have ended. Do we go right to the Stanley Cup playoffs and in what form? It seems like we maybe have an answer there, but we don't know 100% of everything that's going on behind the scenes. It's just more uncertainty across the board. So I ask the question again, is it worth it? Should, should uh, it, maybe it is. And I'm not, I don't want to tip the scale when I say that. And you hear how I am asking that question because you know how I feel about it. Uh, the NHL needs to do everything they need. They need to dot all the I's and cross all the T's when it comes to trying to get the season in. I get it. Now is not the time to call the entire season in the playoffs. You can't do it right now. You still you still have some time. And maybe I am just too much forward thinking and saying that. I just it it's too much. It's too chaotic. But the NHL is going to try. And I give them all the credit in the world for doing that, and that's what they have to do. Uh, no other league has just thrown it. Well, the AHL has, but those are for different reasons. But professionally, in the United States anyway, I don't think anybody has has called it a season. Definitely not baseball. Their season would have just started. But believe it or not, we would have been two months into the baseball season already. That's crazy. Uh, football is in a good spot because they're starting the latest. 
but nobody's calling a season just yet. Basketball and hockey, you know, their seasons line up. So I think I'm sure they're talking. I'm sure the two commissioners between hockey and, and basketball are talking and seeing how one is doing the other. And what are you guys going to do to finish your season? Could it be matched up with uh, what the other one can do? Just unprecedented times. And, you know, there's some people that just want hockey back in any capacity. They don't care. And there's some people who just be like, yeah, you know what? The season kind of would have been coming to an end soon if the season has continued. Just call it. Um, but some people don't want to do that. I completely understand that. So it's exciting, though. <laughs> it makes for uh, something to look forward to every day. And, and <clears throat> maybe there'll be some finality to this sooner or later. It seems like things are getting going in that direction. We just have to wait and see. All right. And finally, we've been doing kind of some what if segments and we'll do one more. And I thought it would be interesting to ask the question, what if Patrick Juan ever quit and kind of walked out on the team? Um, Where would we be right now? And I don't want to say like, would he still be the coach to to this year? Because that would have been a long tenure if he still had been the coach. He was on for three years, and Bednar has been so he'd been on for seven, going on eight years, which is a long time, which is very possible. But where would the team be in a couple different fronts? Now, to kind of recap, Watt took over in the 2013-2014 season, the year after <clears throat> that shortened season. After they didn't pick up the season until January because of the the strike and all that contract nonsense. So the Avs the season before finished fifth, didn't do so hot. Um, so they got rid of Joe Sacco, <clears throat> brought in Wah, bam, 112 points. Nobody was expecting that. We know how the, the season finished, lost to the Wild in a series that still hurts me. But uh, to have that turnaround, and with Patrick Watt at the helm, everybody was like, this is just a match made in heaven. This is going to be the greatest thing ever in the history of hockey. Um, and then the subsequent years, they they went down. They went from 112 to 90, 90 points, which got them seventh, believe it or not, in the division. And then went down again and finished 82 points in the 15-16 season. And... He walked away late. He walked away, I think it was like a month before training camp was was supposed to start. So, uh, And then Jared Bednar came on, and, you know, we, we know what happened. He was in a no-win situation that first season. I gave him, him a complete pass in that season, <clears throat> did the best he could. But because of that, because of that season, the Avalanche ended up with Kale McCarr. And we can go into all the different, and we did. We did the what if the, Kale, uh, the Avalanche had gotten the first-round pick, would they have still taken Kale McCarr? We can talk about that. So many different avenues you can go on with this. But I guess we can start with, what if he didn't walk out on that season? Would they have improved from the season before? Would they have continued to trend down? That's still up in the air. I think that team was thrown for a complete loop, and when you bring in a brand-new coach that brings in a brand-new system a month before the season starts – you're you're going to be taking that entire season to get used to you really because you really have no time for to practice like you should 
you should be in a normal offseason to get used to a new coach. So would the Avalanche have Kale McCarr right now if Patrick Waugh had stayed on? Because I don't I think they would have finished much better than 48 points and you know the the worst season on record. Thanks coronavirus for not lending that to the Detroit Red Wings for this year. So I don't think they would have Kale McCarr because I think they would have they would have been in that same realm, maybe even a little bit better. You know, I think Wah got a lot out of players, and I don't think he was happy with with, with trending down ever since he got there. So uh, I think he and this and, and again we can't talk about the reason why he left is he wasn't happy with the direction of the team. He felt like he couldn't really coach the way he wanted to coach and implement his system. So which is why he left. But let's just say that he could forget about all that stuff. If he could have, um, I think they would have been competitive. Like they had been ever since he got there. So maybe they, like I said, maybe they don't have Kale McCarr right now. Maybe Matt Duchesne doesn't want to be traded. I, I don't know. I think maybe he wants to stay because Matt Duchesne grew up an avalanche fan. And that's that's a match made in heaven when you get drafted by your favorite team growing up, coached by a legendary player within the organization. Maybe he doesn't want to leave. So uh, I don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff and how long that stuff went on for between Sackick and Wah, or maybe not even maybe the Gronkies and, and Wah. I don't know if it was just a because it was so late in the offseason. I don't know if it it, it it seemed like it caught everybody by surprise. Because if they were having problems, I think the front office would have said, like, we need to make a decision earlier so we can bring somebody in, not a month before the season. So it would be interesting. I, I With all of the moves that the Avalanche have made and all of the moves that Joe Sackick has made that have come after Patrick Waugh had left, would they have needed and would have been necessary to make all of those moves that have set them up for now? Would they be as set up for the next, we always use, you know, just say five seasons, but it could be beyond that. If Patrick Waugh had not left, we suffered horribly for one season after that, but you suffered for one season, and since then, it's been trending through the roof. And I don't know if it would have been going for that long if he had stayed. Like I said, he would have been in his seventh or eighth year And that's tough. It's tough to do. It's tough to keep, you know, you're going to have ups and downs throughout uh, any coach's career. But what would have been different if he had stayed the entire time? Would we have all of these assets? Maybe not, but maybe we'd still have Matt Duchesne. And, you know, and and that's that's a whole other thing. Again, you can go in many different directions with this. And some people be like, good riddance, we don't want him. But he was a good player for the Avs. Come on. So many different avenues you can go down with that and questions to be asked, which we'll never get an answer for. But the end result is the Az are in a great spot right now. And I think it started when Patrick Waugh decided he didn't want to coach him anymore. I'm saying, okay, then we'll pick up and we'll we'll move on. It took him, like I said, took him that one season to really kind of get stuck in the mud. But been all good since then what do you guys think shoot me a line over at lockdown avalanche at gmail.com or get a hold of me at lopn avalanche what do you think did all of this greatness 
start really with Patrick Wilde leaving? And if he had stayed, where do you think the franchise would be right now? Let me know. We'd really love to uh, hear your thoughts. So that's going to be it for today, and that'll be it for this week. And like always, follow Locked On NHL. Uh, make sure you go over to BuiltBar.com and put your order in. Once again, enter Locked On, locked on for $10 off. Um, that's really going to be it, guys. Hopefully we'll maybe get some news over the weekend. The weekend seems to be slow moving in terms of news, but uh, you never you never know. But we'll be back with a whole another. I want to say week, but like you know, it's been Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But it is a week's worth of episodes, so we'll be back next week with some fresh new Locked on Avalanche podcast shows. So enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy the extended weekend with Memorial Day coming around. So uh, stay safe. See you next week. Here is Miss Jovi. Go, Abs, go!